Good to see you here. Beautiful day. A few more weeks, it'll be snowing. <laughs> so, so enjoy the warmth. Last week, we started a two-week brief series on how to enjoy your Bible. Not just reading your Bible, but actually, experientially, enjoying your Bible. I love what Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 4, when he said, Man shall, Mankind shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That verse is so important to understand. I mean, I, and maybe you can too, preach a whole sermon just on that verse. It's so remarkable what Jesus is saying about the scriptures. Just like you enjoy food, physical food, Jesus is saying that's not the reason why we are here. We're not here just to have physical food, but Jesus says, man shall not, mankind shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. The reason for our existence, if you've been a Christian, if you this morning can boast of Jesus Christ that he has converted you by his grace, uh, your testimony is I just love the scriptures and I find myself wanting to read the scriptures. And I know there are seasons where you don't feel that, that way. I know there are seasons where it's dark and dismal I've gone through them and you've gone through them where you feel like God is way far away and he's not close to you. We've all been there if you've been a Christian for any length of time. But remember what Jesus said. And that is, we shouldn't live by bread alone. That's not the reason why we're here. Even though it's necessary that you eat. And I eat. I'm looking forward to making some, I'm making a spaghetti dinner today. Oh, you should taste the sauce I got. I mean, it's, it's enough. It's enough to make any one of you shout this morning. So when I get home, I'm going to work on this delicacy. But Jesus is saying, every word that God gives Every word that proceeds from his mouth, that's the reason we live. The Bible is such a joy, and I want it to be your joy. I just don't want you and myself to read it. I want us to be able to enjoy it. Listen to what Jeremiah said 700-some years before Christ. Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became for me a joy and delight in my heart. Listen to what the prophet said. And he was going through all kinds of difficulties. If you know anything about the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament, if you know anything about the book of Lamentations, he was going through all kinds of difficulties. And yet he said when he had the word of God, it became to him a joy and delight. A joy and delight, he says, of my heart. Listen once again, as I mentioned last week, about what David said in Psalm 119, verse 14. He says, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies 
as much as in all riches. David, the king, has all these riches at his disposal, and he has the word of God, and he says, you know, I would, I look at the word of God, I look at the riches, and he says, I rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as all those riches over here. See all these riches? Here's the word of God. I rejoiced in the word of God just like I would rejoice in those riches. And then in Psalm 119, verse 24, he says this, Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. The testimonies of God, the words of God, are his delight, and they are his counselors. I want to ask you a question before we continue. Is the Bible in any way a delight to you? I hope it is. I hope the Bible is a delight to you. And that's one proof that you're converted this morning. Not that you just say, I read the Bible periodically, but it's a, it's a joy to you. Now, I know in the midst of this, all this matter of joy in the scriptures, we face all kinds of, all kinds of obstacles that seem to keep us away from enjoying the scriptures. You face them and I face them. For instance, if it's too hot, like yesterday, right? Um, if it's too hot, you don't feel like doing anything, right? And when it's too cold, what happens? We don't feel like doing anything. Uh, we're a group of people at times who just don't feel like doing anything. Uh, too hot, too cold. These are obstacles we face. Our physical ailments at times, right? Keep us from really delighting in Scripture. Our emotional struggles that we go through, loneliness, anxiety, depression, Keep us from enjoying Scripture. Our spiritual struggles. Once again, sometimes we feel like God is way far away. Why should I pick up my Bible if I feel like God is way far away? Well, let me tell you something. If you feel like God is way far away, that's the time you do need to pick up your Bible and read it. That's the time that you need to cry out to God and say, Lord, I need to enjoy your word because I feel like you're just so far away from me this morning. And how about financial problems? Some of you are struggling with financial problems and relational problems. How do you get along with your husband? How do you get along with your wife? How do you get along with those kids and those grandkids? How about people at school, people at work, people at Cornerstone? I mean, really, people at Cornerstone. Sometimes some of the strangest people exist at Cornerstone. Have you found that so? In fact, wherever you go, there are always those strange people, right? They're just strange people. And sometimes people look at you and say, yeah, you're a strange person. You see, here's the thing. We all face these obstacles, and yet in the mix of those obstacles, I want for you and myself to be able to enjoy the Scriptures. Okay. Last week, we covered eight particular ways to enjoy the Bible. And this morning, I'm going to give you six uh, ways. Now, I need to make sure you understand where I'm going with this, because th these are not rules that you have to have every time you open up your Bible. That would be so burdensome to you. Can you imagine that? Now, I've got to do 14 things as I read my Bible today. I'm not into that with you. What I want you to be able to do is to be able to look at these particular thoughts and be able to say 
as you go through them. Yeah, I'm going to take one or two of those this summer and work on these, okay? Uh, I want to take maybe one this week and, and really work on this one particular one this week. These are ideas. In fact, I can honestly say to you, these ideas uh, I have found very helpful to me down through the years as, as I've read and studied Scripture, and I hope they're of some benefit to you as well. I remember coming back one summer from college. I was attending Bible college at the time, um, and I'll, I'll never forget thinking, <clears throat> what should I read in the Bible? I, I really, what, you know, I'd just been converted uh, a year or so before, and I, I didn't know where to go. And I said, you know, I'm just going to take the book of Jeremiah, and I'm going to read it the whole summer long. And that's what I did. And as I mentioned last week, you may want to do that. So here were some of the things that uh, we looked at last week. I'm going to look at the slides with you here just to help us. So I'm going to move over here just a little bit and go down through these. I'm not going to linger long on these, but I do want to point these out. The first one is honestly admit where you are in relationship to enjoying scriptures. Zero, from zero to ten, ten being the highest joy you've ever had in reading scriptures. Where are you right now in reading the Word? Are you number one, number two, not really enjoying the Bible? Where are you? Be honest about that. Number two, genuinely ask the Lord to open up your understanding of the Scriptures. If you're going to enjoy the Scriptures, ask God to help you to enjoy them. He, the Holy Spirit has given us Scripture, so we should be able to ask Him to help us understand the Scriptures. Number three, choose a certain time of the day to read the Scriptures. I think this is important because if you don't, you'll, you'll, if you're like many of us, we'll procrastinate. Maybe I'll read it at lunchtime. No, I, I think dinner. Well, I'll try again in the morning. Have a particular time of the day to read the Word. Number four, choose a certain book in the Bible to read over and over for an extended period of time. Like, for instance, July, it's now, I'm going to take the book of Ephesians, for instance, July and August, and I'm just going to immerse myself in the book of Ephesians. Every opportunity I get, doesn't mean you can't read any other book in the Bible, but any opportunity I get, I'm going to immerse myself in the, in the book of Ephesians. I'm going to put the Bible on my kitchen table like I have some bananas and oranges and grapes, right? See those bananas, oranges, and grapes? I'm go Just like when I walk by the table, I have some grapes. See, might pull a banana out uh, and enjoy them. Just like that, I've got my Bible in front of, on, right on the kitchen table, and I'm going to read a verse or two in Ephesians. Every opportunity I get, I'm just going to immerse myself uh, in the Scriptures in July and August. July and August are going to be my months in which I enjoy Ephesians. Number five, as you read Scripture, meditate upon the Scriptures. And meditation is thinking over and over again. I tell the students in school, meditation is like chewing gum. Just chewing gum over and over and over again. I'm thinking about what this passage has to do with my relationship with the Lord. I'm thinking about how this passage helps me with my wife, helps her with me, helps me with the kids, helps me with the grandkids. How does this help me with my friends and the good people at Cornerstone? How, how can this passage help me in my relationship to people? So you're thinking about that. You're meditating. Number uh, six. You're looking for the attributes of God in Christ as you read Scripture. What does the Bible have to say about God? What does the Bible have to say about Jesus? As I mentioned last week, more extensively, the main reason why God gave us Scripture is because God wants to reveal himself to you and to me. 
That's the first reason why God, I believe, gave us Scripture. He gives us Scripture to teach us about who He is. So as you look at the Scriptures, you go, what do I find in this passage that teaches me about Jesus or teaches me about God as attributes? Number seven, as you read, meditate on Scripture, confess and repent of known sin. Remember Drano? Remember the illustration I gave last week? Remember Drano? You put it in the pipes and it's supposed to clean out the pipes? Well, that's what confession does. That's what repentance does in parallel form. You confess your sin. It's like it cleans out your soul. You, you repent of your sin. It cleans out your soul. So I need to ask you a question as I did last week. When's the last time you've gone to confession? And what I mean by that is when's the last time you've gotten alone with your Bible and you said, Lord, I'm going to confess my sins for they are many. I'm going to turn from my sin at this point. Cleaning your soul. And some of you need to go to confession. One reason why I linger on this is because I know it to be the case with all of us. You need to spend some time just getting alone with God and saying, you say, where should I start? Look at the Ten Commandments and go down through the Ten Commandments and say, Lord, I've broken your law here and here and here, and I'm so thankful I have a Savior, Jesus Christ. And by the way, it's good to know about Jesus, and there may be a few of you here who are not converted yet, and I would just encourage you, if you're not saved, that you really would think about this. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners like you and myself. That's why he came into this world. And when a person as the Spirit of God works on the person and that person is brought to understanding of Scripture, when that person turns from their sin and places faith in Jesus Christ, God converts them. Converts them, just there. It's a remarkable thing. And it could happen to one or two of you here this morning. There may be one or two, by the way, who have never really been saved. And maybe it's today that God is going to convert you. You're going to turn from your sin and, see, and look at your life and say, you know, my life is a mess. I'm going to turn from my sin and I'm placing faith in Jesus. I'm trusting him in his death for me, his resurrection, and he's coming back again. I'm placing my faith in him. And then lastly, if we want to enjoy our Bibles, we need to share the word of God with others. I hope you're doing this. I've tried to exhort you to do this for a number of weeks now uh, since I've been coming to Cornerstone, which was, I think, like 15 years here now, 12 or 15 years. I forgot how the number works. 12 or 15, I forgot. My mind is having a problem with two and five here this morning. But anyway... Um, it's an, and it's been a delight to be here, but I've often tried to challenge you about this matter of sharing the gospel. I did this week, again. I said to the Lord, bring someone, bring someone into my path that I could share something with the Bible, someone that I can tell about the Bible. And I'll tell you, the Lord opened up a few opportunities. One was at a gas station. Pull up, great place to witness. You're pull, yeah, I pulled up the gas station, there was a fellow on the other side, he getting gas on the other side of the gas tank, and I'm on this side. I said, well, it's a warm day. And he says, yeah, warm day. And then we started talking about our grandkids. We got on from the warm day. I said, what are your grandkids? You know, you have grandkids? Yeah, I've got grandkids. What are they doing on a warm day? And he started telling me about the warm day, and I started telling about the warm day and the grandkids and what they're doing and so on. And then I look at him, and I go, hey, do you have a Bible? And, uh, and he goes, no. He says, I, I, don't, I don't have a Bible. I said, listen, I've got a Gospel of John in my car, and would you take it? And he looked at me, and here's what, it was a surprise to me, because I thought he was going to say, yeah, I'll take it. He looked at me and says, I need that right now. I need the Gospel of John, what I'm going through right now. I said, here, I want you to take it. And here's what I want you to do. You've got to promise me this. When you go home, I want you to read chapter 3. 
okay? Omer and Jackie, this is how I'll do it. This is how I'll do it. And I go back in the car with my wife. She said, I said, what a great time I had. I just got an opportunity to share the gospel, or just something, or reading the Bible with this guy. And he's going to read it, he said tonight. Now, I don't know if he's going to read it, but that's not my job. My job is to tell him. The Spirit of God's job is to work on his heart with the Bible. And then another time I had an opportunity uh, this week to share the gospel. You get all kinds of opportunities. You go to a restaurant and you talk to people about the Lord. Great meal this was. You know, I've got a better meal than this. Oh, really? Yeah. I'll tell you something. I went home and read the Gospel of John. Did you ever read the Gospel of John? Uh, no, I never read. Well, I want you to read the Gospel of John. In fact, by the way, I've got a Gospel of John in my pocket right there. <laughs> Would you like a Gospel of John? You see, uh, there's something about enjoying Scripture. And this is like in the book of Acts. Remember in the book of Acts, the early church witnessed, and when they witnessed, they, the Holy Spirit filled their lives with joy. And that's what I want for you, dear people, and that's what I want for me. Whatever we're doing for work, whatever we're doing in our homes, sharing the gospel, sharing it with your kids, sharing it with the grandkids, passing it on to our culture. Okay, let's go into our six today. Ready? We're going to go into our six other ways in which we can enjoy Scripture. And perhaps you can add to, to the list here. I'm trying to make this very practical for, for us during the summer months, but I hope you take one or two of these and use them. Here's the first one. As you read the Bible, find something within the text that you can be thankful for. When you look at your Bible, say, what is this text, how does this text motivate me to be thankful? There must be something in this passage that I can be thankful about. You see, this is different, dear people. This is different than just than just reading the Bible and closing it and going back to doing what you're doing. I'm searching out the Word, just like a gold mine. Uh, by the way, I should tell you this. Right after we were converted, uh, a, 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 fella from, uh, a fella from one of the assemblies, right after we were converted, as a young, as, as in my 20s, early 20s, 19, 20, 21, he encouraged us to go to Emmaus Bible College. Uh, we didn't end up there, but he encouraged us. And, he, and what he did was he, set, he sent us Bible studies from Emmaus. And I remember working through those things right after I became a Christian. <laughs> I was the happiest guy in the world. Wow, the Bible, this is really something. I never... And then it occurred on this matter of being thankful. What am I thankful for as I read Scripture? Is there something in the text? Like this matter of Hebrews chapter 4, where you see Jesus sympathizing with us. And he understands us. Well, I can be thankful about that. As I'm reading Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, I can be thankful that Jesus knows my frustrations in life. He knows my temptations in life. He knows my weaknesses in this life. He sympathizes with me. And he sympathizes with you about your struggles going on. And because of that, I can be thankful that he does do that. Um, I love reading the Puritans because I think they captured something of the heart of God. Listen to this. I'm not going to read the whole prayer, but here are the prayers of the Puritans, the Valley of Vision. Does anyone have this? Valley of Vision is really an excellent book on the prayers of the Puritans. I'm just going to read a few lines. See if you pray like this. When I read these prayers, my heart often is convicted. See if you ever pray like this. Lord, I bless you that you have created my soul. I thank you for adorning it and sanctifying it. 
I thank you for the body that you have given me, for persevering it in strength and vigor, for providing senses to enjoy delights. You ever thank the Lord for the delights that you have in this life? For the ease and freedom of my limbs, my hands, my ears, my eyes to do your bidding, the royal bounty provided by your daily support, a full table of food, an overflowing cup for appetite, taste, sweetness, for social joys of relatives and friends, for the ability to serve other people, for a heart that feels sorrows and necessities, for a mind to care for my fellow men, for opportunities of spreading happiness around, for loved ones and the joys of heaven, for mine own expectation of seeing thee clearly. I love thee above the powers of language to express for what thou art to all your creatures. Increase my love, O God, through time and eternity. Lord, I am thankful for these things. Now, do you ever pray like that? Do I ever pray like that? My prayers at times when I read this are so shallow. So shallow. Is there anything in the Bible that I, as I read it, can I be thankful for? Uh, there should be. On every pa passage of Scripture, there should be at least something that you can be thankful for. Number two. You ready? Number two is this. When you read your Bible, spend time worshiping and singing. Do you love to sing? You love to sing? Uh, when's the last time you have sung uh, when you're reading Scripture? It's a great way to warm your heart. It really is. When your heart's cold and dark, you really feel like I can't get really get into the, the matter. Just take your songbook or your song sheet and, and spend some time in song, praising God in song. Colossians 3, verses 15 through 17, Paul exhorts us to sing and to be thankful together. Singing with your hearts. Singing with your hearts. Do you sing? Do you love to sing? I hope you do. If you're a Christian, I hope you love to sing. Uh, let me read to you one of my favorite authors, John Piper. Anyone read? I remember asking about this. Anyone read John Piper? Good. Uh, here's, his, here's his book on de uh, Desiring God. Listen to this. See if this makes sense to you. Uh, concerning singing and worship and giving thanks. He says this. Worship must be vital and real in the heart, and worship must rest on a true perception of God. In other words, True worship, true thanksgiving, as he says here in the context, true thanksgiving, true worship is having a right view of God. When you have a right view of God, that's going to help you to be able to praise him more. Does that make sense? You have a shallow view of God, and your praise is going to be anemic. You have a high view of God, and your praise and thanksgiving is going to be high. Does that make sense to you? Make sense? Shallow view of God shallow worship high view of god and thanksgiving high view of god and thanksgiving deepening worship deepening thanksgiving listen to this now truth i love this one truth without emotion produces dead orthodoxy and a church full of half-hearted artificial admirers like people who write generic anniversary cards for a living on the other hand Emotion without truth produces empty frenzy and cultivates shallow people who refuse the discipline of rigorous study and thought. But true worship, listen to this, true worship comes from people who are deeply emotional and who love deeply and are thankful about sound doctrine. 
Strong affections for God, rooted in truth, are the bone and marrow of biblical worship. What is he saying? Let me see if I can summarize it. It's good to have emotion when you worship, raising your hand. Sometimes Betty and I were flipping the station. You know, we have some Christian stations, and I see these younger people praising God and jumping. You know, you ever see them do that? And, and I look at them and I say, praise God, the Lord has converted a lot of young people, and they're enthusiastic about their religion, and I praise God. But then I go, I wonder how many, how many of them know what they're jumping about. I mean, you see, I wonder how many of them really have doctrine down. So the other extreme is just people who've got all the doctrine down, right? And it's like looking at a group of mummies or a group of mannequins in the church. I mean, they can tell you, they can tell you every doctrinal nuance that ever existed, and they just stare at you, and there's no life in them. And, and what, what uh, Piper's on about here is they have a combination of both, a, a spirit, that, a genuine spirit, not a fleshly, superficial uh, enthusiasm, but a genuine enthusiasm for Christ, and at the same time, doctrine. You unite those two together, it'll be a beautiful thing to see at Cornerstone. Uh, let me talk to the men again. It'll be, beautiful, it'll be a beautiful thing to see in your home. Do you pray with your wives? Does your wife, sir, see you walking around the house thanking God for anything? Or does she always hear you complain about something? Are you women the same thing? Does your husband ever hear you praise God for anything? Um, does, does your husband ever hear you giving thanks for the Lord about anything? You see, the second way to enjoy your Bible is to sing and give thanks to the Lord. Um, a third way, ready? Here's the third way. Remind yourselves during the day what passage you have read. We are all prone to forget what we've read. Have you done that? Have you read something in the Bible in the morning and then in the afternoon you go, what in the world did I read? Did you ever do that? I, I've done it a number of times. That's why I like to bring a three-by-five card around with me. And use the three-by-five card. There's a verse or two that stick out to you, and you just, during the day, you take it out, read it, put it back, do it again a few times during the day. Hopefully these are practical thoughts to you on how you can enjoy your Bible. So remind yourself. Just like in Joshua, the book of Joshua. I, if you know anything about the book of Joshua, in chapter 1, are you listening? In chapter 1, the, before Joshua gets into any of the battles of life, the Lord says to him, I want you to learn how to meditate in the scriptures. Okay? I want you to think about the scriptures. Because it's the scriptures that are going to help you to go through the battles of life that you're going to have to face from chapter 2 on in Joshua. It's the Bible that you need, sir, in your life before you face this week's battles. It's the Bible that I need in my life before I face this week's battles. You need it, wife. You need it, young mom with the kids, young dad with the kids. Before you face the battles with the kids, you need to be, you need to be equipped with Scripture. If you're a Christian, you see, I want the Bible to help me to work with my family. Just like Joshua. Before I, he faces the battles of life, God encourages him to meditate in the scriptures. Here's number four. Have someone hold you accountable 
to what you're reading and meditating upon in Scripture. Ecclesiastes 4, chapter 4, 9, and 10. Two are better than one. Some of you know the verse, right? Better than one. If one falls, the other one's to pick him up. Do you know how many people I meet during the course of the month that they don't have any friends to pick them up? I ask you right now, how many people do you have that are really your friends? You could call them at 2 or 3 in the morning and they, without barking at you, they would listen to what you have to say. They were willing to pick you up. Uh, have someone accountable hold you accountable. The scripture. What are you reading? Let me ask you this. What are you reading right now in scripture? To have a friend of yours say, hey, Bill, if that's your name, hey, Bill, what are you reading? Talk to me about that. And you could do the same thing with Bill. For you to do that with someone. Hold you accountable. That's how you can enjoy the scriptures. That's one way you can enjoy the scriptures. Have somebody like that in your life. Number five. If you're really going to enjoy the scriptures more than you have, pray for others when you read the text of scripture. Is your prayer time all about yourself? Or is it about praying for other people? Be other-centered. If you're a growing, maturing Christian, God wants us to be a people who are other-centered. Ephesians 1, 15 through 18. Let me go there because I want to show you how we've done this before. We're not always successfully at this, but let's go to Ephesians 1. I want, to, I want you to see this. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. In this one of the prayers of Paul in the book of Ephesians. Verse 15. Um, well, let's go to 18 because of time. Look at verse number 18. Here's Paul praying for the Ephesians. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory and inheritance of the saints. So here's what I do with my wife, Betty. Okay, We've done this over the years. We'll take a prayer like this and we'll break it down. And this week we're going to pray for each other in this way. Watch. Honey, I'm going to pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened. You've got to see things from the scriptures. I want, Betty, I want you to see things from the scriptures. Next week we're going to pray about so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. I want you, Betty, to have a sense of a hope of his calling. And, and I want you to pray for me that God will give me a sense of the hope of his calling. The next week we're going to read, we're going to do this. What are the riches of the, do I understand the riches of the glory of the inheritance that awaits me? I want you to pray that I would understand that. And I want to pray. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine doing this with your husband and your wife? By the way, just in case you're wondering about all this, this is the family Bible hour at Cornerstone. And that's the reason why I'm saying these things about you men in the church and you women in the church here and you younger people in the church here. This is family talk here. This is family talk. Can you imagine husbands praying something like this for their wives, praying with them these things? Can you imagine wives praying this for their husbands in this congregation? What would happen to this church congregation if that were the case? Oh, dear people, may your reading of Scripture not just be reading, but may you enjoy it. Let's go to our last point. You ready for the last one? Here's the last one. If you're really going to enjoy the Bible more than you have, plan to get away a few times a year and spend the time alone in prayer and in fasting with the Scriptures. I've given you some verses here where Jesus got alone by himself sometimes for hours to pray 
what do you pray about? Well, you bring your Bible, and you work down through the text, pray about these things. Have you ever gotten away for a day just to pray, read the Word? Have you gotten away just to enjoy Scripture? I know we have so many distractions, don't we? We're going so fast today. I, I was at, my daughter took me to a, a Rochester Red Wing baseball game. And I think I mentioned this last time. Um, but we're there in the game. She was looking at the game, and for us, it was going by well. But for the younger people, it was going too slow. And the reason why it's going too slow is because they're doing this with their gadgets. And it's always going so fast. So when they look at a baseball game, it's slow, right? But if you don't know much about the gadgets, it's going fast. But here's what we need to do, because there's so many distractions in this life, right? We're all aware of that. Get alone. Get away. Get somewhere where you can be quiet and alone with the Lord and the Word. Especially if you're working with people. People can drain the life out of you, right? Your wife can drain the life out of you. Your husband can drain the life out of you. Your kids can, you, right? You, you, you kids, you can drain the life out of your parents. Yeah, you can. Listen, you need to get alone. You need to get alone. I need to get alone. Remember Barry Lawrence who comes here? Don't tell him I said this because then he'll pick on me. But, but Barry Lawrence and I, we've been accountability partners for 19 years. We get together once a month and we share our hearts together about all kinds of things. But a few times a year, we go to Webster Park, and Barry sits on one bench way far away from me because if he sits next to me, I'll end up talking to him. So he sits way far away, and I sit way over here, and we read a portion of Scripture. Then we come back, and we say, what did the Lord teach you? It's a great thing. We spend the whole day doing that just by ourselves, and we spend a day in fasting and prayer and, and just having our water or juice, whatever, and it's a great experience with your accountability partner when someone who knows you, to be able to do that with somebody. But you need to get alone. And sometimes during the summer, one or two times, I'll just go to Webster Park and I'll just bring my Bible, maybe one of the Puritan writers and a few other people, not people but their books, and, and just be by myself and, and just be there reading the Word away from all the noise away from all the people. Doesn't it sound good to do that? Look at you. Some of you are saying, boy, I wish I had that right now. <laughs> yeah, we need it because it's, we live in a day of distraction, noise, just to get away, be quiet. Now, I'm going to tell you something about this when I close. If you don't plan it, it's not going to happen. Look at your calendar and say, August 14th, I'll see you later. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to Webster Park or wherever. But you've got to plan this. Listen to Jonathan Edwards, 250 years ago, and I close. A true Christian delights in Christian fellowship and finds it that it will affect his heart. But he or she also delights in times where they can retire from other people to converse with God in a solitary place. Jonathan Edwards. Did you ever read Jonathan Edwards? You need to read Jonathan Edwards. I, but I love this guy. Just get alone and be quiet. Some of you look like you could really use a dose of that, right? I know, I can use it too. Some of you can use it. May God help you with these 
for these 14 items that I mentioned in two weeks. I didn't want to make it heavy at all. I just wanted to make it real easy for you, practical for you, so that you'll be able to take one or two of these and use them this summer. We understand each other? Okay. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you once again for giving us scripture and scriptural principles on how to live because, Lord, we don't know how to live. And, Father, thank you for saving us in this room. And I just praise you, Father, that you've given us scripture. Father, I pray for these dear people that have come this morning. May they and myself, Lord, may we not just read the Bible, but, Lord, may we really enjoy it. And by enjoying it, we will share it. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.